Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. We have got a great show in store. Oh, my gracious, y'all. But before we begin, I want to tell you about one of our partners that I love, Stamps.com. If you run a small business or a household or both, you know that there is nothing more valuable than your time. I think we can all agree that using our time well is at the top of our priority list. So stop wasting it on trips to the post office. Stamps.com makes it easy to mail and ship right from your computer. Save time and money with Stamps.com. Send letters and packages for less with discounted rates from USPS, UPS, and more. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly 1 million businesses. It definitely is for us here at Downs Books and the That Sounds Fun Network. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're in an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer, no special supplies or equipment, and within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send it. And you'll get the exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from the USPS and the UPS. Once your mail is ready, you just schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion and hassle out of shipping. With Stamps.com's new Rate Advisor tool, you can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. I love tools that increase efficiency, and I know you do too. Save time and money with stamps.com. There's no risk, and with my promo code, that sounds fun, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com and click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in that sounds fun. That's stamps.com, promo code, that sounds fun. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. Today on the show to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day, I got to talk with my friend Charles Robinson. Charles and his wife, Susan, along with their seven kids, share Native American cultural presentations with a focus on unity through diversity. They dance at powwows, participate in sacred ceremonies, and promote traditional Native American values in our contemporary world. They founded a nonprofit called The Red Road to build awareness and empowerment for Native communities and to provide education about Native American culture. I was fascinated by Charles and his story. We're already making plans to have him back on the show with his wife to answer your questions. So as you're listening, if questions come to mind, jot them down, and then you will be able to send those to us through the link in the show notes, and I'll share it on Instagram and all the places. But listen with an ear of if you have more questions, we're going to get them answered. I cannot wait for you to get to know Charles. And friends, if you got your mini BFFs in the car, just want to give you a heads up that we do talk about some of the more tragic abuses that our Native American friends have faced, including sexual abuse. So you may just want to proceed with caution. So here he is, my conversation with my friend, Charles Robinson. Charles, thanks so much for being on That Sounds Fun today. Thank you. We're so grateful. Yeah. I mean, this is, I think this is going to be incredibly fun for our friends. Today is Indigenous Peoples Day, formerly known as Columbus Day. Right. Right. What does that mean to you that that's switching, that that really that labeling, I don't hear people call it Columbus Day at all anymore, really. Yeah. Other than the, uh, you know, the, the, the stores that sell refrigerators and stuff, that's kind of the big, you know, (laughs) tagline when they're having their sales. Right. Um, It's honoring, Mm. right? It's honoring, especially when people understand that 
Christopher Columbus never stepped foot on what we know as the United States, right? He never had one foot on what we know today as U.S. soil. Mm -hmm. Uh, So to honor a guy um, that way, but also with regards to uh, the way he treated the indigenous peoples in the islands where he did land Mm -hmm. and a lot of the damage that was done there, to take that away and to replace it with something that's more honoring to our indigenous people. I love it. Will you give us a little biography of yourself, kind of tell people who you are? Yeah. So I grew up in Texas in Oklahoma. Um, I'm from the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma. My dad's Choctaw, my mom's white, which is which is great growing up, right? Because I could play cowboys and Indians all by myself. <laughs> and so here I am growing up, this mixed blood kid, yeah. identifying with my Choctaw heritage, but not really knowing what that meant because I grew up in suburbia. Okay. Uh, then went to college, uh, still trying to figure out what all it meant to be a native guy in today's world, mm-hmm. right? And so back then, we didn't have, I couldn't go online. Uh, we read Encyclopedia Britannica. That's right. how I found out about all these other tribes. Wow. And so, yeah, I just began to pursue that and to, and to, and to ask myself and ask God, what does it look like for me to be a native guy and a traditional guy with traditional values in a contemporary world? What Did does you that grow up like? a Christian? Uh, no. Okay. I came to know Jesus when uh, I was in high school okay. uh, through the Young Life ministry. Really? Yeah. Oh, we love Young Life around here. They're great. I love it. Okay, so at the same time, you're really kind of discovering these two things, a faith life and your Native American heritage life. That's right, yeah. Wow. Okay, so how did you meet Susan? So I was. Uh, I had started the Red Road, and I was up in Vancouver, British Columbia, and driving through and went to a large Native gathering. Uh, kind of like a powwow, but it was at the Indian Friendship Center up in Vancouver, B.C. And I saw her, and as soon as I saw her, God placed it in my heart said, that's your wife. That's who you're <gasps> going to spend the rest of your life with. Uh-uh. I was 37 at the time, never been married, no kids, nothing. I see her, I was like, okay, there she is. Yeah. Now, she, God didn't show her the same thing quite <laughs> as quickly. But he actually did through some dreams over the next wow. few nights. And four days later, we openly talked about it. And four months later, we were married. <gasps> you are, yeah. li- hey, from your mouth to God's ears. I'm not married yet. I love that timeline. <laughs> hey, I had written it off. I thought, okay, God, you have for me to be single, yeah, right? Yeah. And we've been married 17 years now. And, and you all have a lot of kids. We have uh, seven kids right now. So, <laughs> yeah. And she is Lakota and Blackfoot. That's correct. Okay. So you and I talked about this before, but I want to say in front of all of our friends listening, I'm going to ask the questions that come to my mind. Yeah. They are all uneducated because it's what I don't know. <laughs> but forgive me if I sound yeah. as uneducated as I feel. When I think about the movies I've seen mm-hmm. and what I know about Native American tribes, they don't intermarry. But now that's fine? Yeah, it's fine now. And during the assimilation process and when we, especially after the reservation system and, and in the 17, 1800s, when people started, tribes began to be in closer proximity to each other. Oh, uh, sure, because reservations are near to each other. They are now. Right. right? Okay. And, and like in Oklahoma, um, 25 or so tribes were removed and placed into what is now Oklahoma. So you're around people, other tribes that formerly you may not have necessarily gotten along with that well, um, but now you're next door neighbors. Yeah. And right. um, it, it's actually very common now to uh, marry outside of your tribe. Because it probably, the higher goal is marrying within Native American versus within your tribe. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. So when you're thinking about your kids getting married, do you hope they marry? <laughs> 
within within your a, com- a conversation we had just last week. Ah. Uh-uh. So so I've got uh, five girls and two boys. And um, and so we were talking about that, and and my wife and she and I have actually discussed it quite a bit. Yeah. And it, it may come across sounding bad, and I hope it doesn't. But the I want them to marry somebody who's going to be good to them. Sure. Right, and treat them with respect and with dignity and with love, and to honor them, the guys and the girls. Right, I want that. If I had my uh, choice, top of the list, would they would be native also? Yeah. But that's, that's not a requirement. But that's yeah. just kind of my own little. Yeah, of course. So, so when let's let's do some vocabulary conversation. Okay. When we talk about this people group, mm-hmm. we do not say Indian. Right. Right. We say Native American or Indigenous people group or <sighs> Choctaw or what's yeah. the what's the kindest thing to do? If you know the people's tribe, the person's tribe, it's most respectful to refer to them by the you know in Choctaw or okay. Lakota or Cheyenne or Blackfoot, whatever it might be. Uh, accepted today really is indigenous or first peoples. First right? people, that's You it. hear that a lot now. Yeah. In Canada, we say first nations. Yep. Um, indigenous is good. The term Indian is not, to some people, it's very offensive. Others, it's a non-issue. Uh-huh. Uh, and understanding that myself personally, I, I just know that most do not, they don't mean to be offensive, and so I'm not going to receive it as offensive. I'd mm-hmm. rather use it if the opportunity is right to educate. But yeah. But I think Native American, especially in the United States, is pretty accepted or indigenous. And is it, does it feel respectful? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you don't, when you talk about God, mm-hmm. you don't normally say God. Will right. you explain that? Yeah, because the word God to our Native people has a lot of, uh, has a lot of negative connotations to it, going back to the reservation system and the, quote, white man's God and how, how, how Christianity is brought to our Native people. So to remove one more obstacle from conversations I have with, with people, I, I don't use the word God, I use the word creator. Okay. Yeah. And you capitalize it every yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Why does that feel better and ring truer for our Native friends? Because he, that's that's who the creator is. That's who he is. That's what he does. He creates, mm-hmm. right? That's what he, he made us all, all of creation, all of this, everything, right? It has, at the very least, has his DNA yeah. on it, right? Yeah. So he created these things. And uh, uh, it's less paternalistic yeah. and white yeah. to say our creator as opposed to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because from what I know, from the reading I've done, the very little knowledge I have, very little, Charles, very little, our Native American friends have always had a yeah. relationship with creator. Yeah. And yeah. so where has Jesus stepped in throughout history with our Native American friends? The whole concept of Jesus arriving in 1492, or, you <laughs> right, know, it's, it's, it's right. so completely just bogus that people so our, our native people there are all these stories throughout our different tribes of stories legends stuff that people tell that all parallel biblical stories wow. I know lots of them and I couldn't tell you how I said could it's probably been seven different I think six or seven different tribes I've been to throughout the US and Canada where somebody in the tribe would show me this rock formation up on a mountain and say that rock formation resembles the a large boat that our people were saved on. Oh, my gracious. But they would not say it was Noah's Ark, but it's a story that's been passed down throughout you know, history. And so this is throughout, right? So we know in, I think it's Acts, 
when, when 17, I think, when, when God talks about creating and, and, and uh, from one man, God made every nation of men mm-hmm. and the time and place it's going to live. Yeah. Right? So he yeah. says he did this. Yeah. But we also know that we were not going to get the written word until mostly in North America in the 17, 1800s, right. right? Right. But do we think that God went all those thousands of years without communicating with our native people? Of course not. Of course not. It was in Romans 1, 19 and 20 says that what may be known about God is plain to man because God has made it plain to him that since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Yes. Right? So God has clearly said, I reveal myself to you through my creation. And so he's always been here. We've always had a relationship with him. It, he just didn't come wearing these robes and looking white <laughs> right, with Middle blue Eastern. eyes. Right, right, exactly. Right? Exactly. So tell me what Native American or even youth personally know about God that I don't know. Well, I don't know what you don't know. <laughs> Fair. But I'll say this is that God reveals himself through creation. And to our native people, uh, it's very common to look and see part of creation, whether it's an animal or land or trees or something, and to say, you know, God God spoke to me through these things, mm-hmm. right? In our Euro-American culture here, we're going to say, well, that sounds kind of weird. That kind of sounds a little new agey. But if you look in Scripture, throughout Scripture, God says, you know, watch the birds, the air, the flowers in the field. You know, a, a plant spoke, a donkey spoke. You hear all these examples in the Bible, but we try and say that here in North America. We're going like, shh, don't say that. That's right. That sounds too weird. But to our wow. native people, it's very common. And for people to understand that or to see eagles flying and, and see that as a sign from God for this or for that. Yes. And so I think to me and to many of our native people, we're much more open to the fact that God can speak to us outside of a book with a bunch of pages in it, mm, right? Yes. That God is everywhere. When you say it like that, a plant spoke, an animal spoke. I mean, I, I know both those stories. I've never put together like, oh, yeah, that is just nature yeah. saying. We had a man on named Dr. Matthew Sleeth who has a book called The Reforesting Faith. And the whole thing is about every main character in the Bible has a tree attached. The first page, the first page of Psalms, the first page of the New Testament, the last page all have trees. Mm. And and it has been an incredible, as a white girl who did not, I mean, I played outside when I was a kid, but we weren't raised to think of nature necessarily speaking to us of God the way our Native American friends were just, you're just always looking to him there. Always. Uh, understanding that he's always present, yeah, right, yeah, and that he always desires to communicate with us one way or mm-hmm. another. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote a book, um, and it's not a plug for the book because I sold five thousand copies and never reprinted it. it was oh no, I'm about to say, so, can we get it? <laughs> but it was called the Silent Voice of Creation, and it's mm-hmm. a 31 day devotional on how God speaks to man through His creation. But it kind of speaks to the that same thing. thing. <laughs> <laughs> I need that. <laughs> but it was, but. But it's a, a simple daily read on what different ways that we can observe or recognize God in our in our lives that day yeah. outside of, you know, a, a 45-minute sermon on Sunday mornings or, a, or right. you know, so. Tell me about the Choctaw Nation. So we originally were down in what is Mississippi area. Okay. The front end of the Trail of Tears, 1830, we were moved into Oklahoma. 
and to the Choctaw, uh, we have um, we carried a lot of our culture and our beliefs with us into Oklahoma, but a lot were left behind back in Mississippi area. One of the one of the primary beliefs of the Choctaw people was of a single creator lived up in the heavens, right? Wow. But when the European missionaries came and saw us praying to the sun or praying to the moon, they thought we were polytheistic. They were sure. worshiping the sun and the moon. But what they didn't know was that we viewed the sun as a hole in the sky through which we could easier pray to God. And at nighttime, that hole in the sky was the moon. Oh, my gracious. Right? So it's like standing in somebody's yard and trying to shout up through an open window to get their attention up yeah. on the second or third floor. Yeah. And so you've got to understand culture, understand what people are doing. So if I were to walk into a church on a Sunday morning, and I'd never been in the church before, if I walk in there and I see somebody at the front of the room saying, this is the body of Jesus, or this is the blood of Jesus. Drink this and remember him. I'm going to think you're a bunch of cannibals. Right. right? I don't right. want any part of it. Right. Unless you understand the ceremony, you mm -hmm. understand what it's about. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with our Choctaw people and all of our tribal people. To, if people would take the time to understand what it is we're doing, what we believe, and when people come into our communities, come in willing to learn, not just to come in and teach and and to save us all. Right. Which probably is still a problem today. It, very much. Right. Yeah. Do you see white people still kind of doing the white savior thing to our native tribes in the U.S. and all, in Canada? Always. Really? And so I've got a friend on a reservation up in South Dakota where we do some work on this particular reservation. He said every summer, he says it's the same thing. Uh, kids get out of school. We start seeing these big white church buses roll into our communities. And they'll come and they'll have like a VBS, right? Yeah. Multiple throughout the week. And they'll come, they'll feed our kids hot dogs and hamburgers and chips, and they'll play games. And they'll probably paint a, a building or clean up a park. And then at the end of the week, they have this big altar call on, and kids go and get saved. And then they take pictures with the kids, go back mm -hmm. to wherever they came from, put those in their newsletters. What they don't know is the day that group leaves, another group comes in, it's the exact same, same thing. Same thing happens again. He wow. says, my kids are getting saved eight and nine times a, a summer. <laughs> right. 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 And they're eating hot dogs and hamburgers all summer long because right. all these youth groups coming in and doing this stuff. Right. So what's the better way for us to treat Native Americans as our neighbors? Like, what's the better way? Yeah, be a part of the community. Okay. Right. One of the challenges with the VBS uh, summer youth group trips one of the things that people could do better would be to stay in touch with the tribal people throughout the year. Oh, sure. The folks Build on a their, relationship right. year-round with Instead, they're gone, and a, a new group comes in, new youth pastor the next year, whatever it is. There's no continuity. There's there's no you know, consistency there. The other thing is, uh, is, is to find organizations that are already working within Native communities and come alongside yeah. them. Yeah. How can we serve you? How can we support the work you're doing? Um, what do you need? Rather than come in and saying, hey, let me give you these things. Let me do this and this for you, right? Right. When that may not be what people, what is needed at all. 
Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about another one of our incredible partners, Third Love. Whether you've got a full day of meetings, a day full of chasing the kiddos around the park, a tough workout planned, or some combo of these things included in your day, you deserve to feel comfortable all day for whatever life throws at you. Third Love believes that everybody is amazing and deserves to be treated that way. That's why they design underwear and loungewear and activewear and feel good all day wear that just fits so you can feel comfortable all day long no matter what your body faces. Doesn't it help you take on the day with confidence and energy when you feel comfortable? I know it does for me. The third love t-shirt bra is the one, y'all. Well, I'm not the boss of you. You should take the fitting room quiz and let that be the boss of you. Answering a few simple questions leads you straight to the perfect fit for you. And on the tiny off chance that it doesn't, exchanges and returns are free for 60 days. Third love is the largest donor of undergarments in the U.S. Partnering with organizations across the United States, third love has donated over $40 million worth of bras to help those in need and even heal injured turtles. That's so sweet. Third Love obsesses over every single stitch, so you never have to think about how something feels, looks, or wears. While trends come and go, Third Love has always stayed true to one notion. They do comfort, you do you. Third Love brings comforts from the sheets to the streets with the softest sleepwear, luxe washable silk, and bras that you won't want to take off when you get home. The 90,000 five-star reviews do not lie, you guys. Feeling is believing, so upgrade to everyday pieces that love your body as much as you do. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order at thirdlove.com slash sounds fun. That's 20% off at thirdlove.com slash sounds fun. And now back to our conversation with Charles Robinson. You and I both live here in Nashville. There is a Native American community here that like, you told me there's powwows down the street. There is. It's uh, not really a native community here. Uh, on the powwows we go to out west, they're normally run by various tribes. Uh-huh. Uh, so this one here is a uh, what we might call a pan-Indian type uh, powwow where where people come, all these different tribal people come together. A lot of a lot of non-natives will come out to these powwows, which is great. We welcome them. We love yeah, it. Say, I'm That's coming all, in October. I'm coming yeah, to it's, see it. It's great, but it, it's 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 not a, a tight knit native community here in Middle Tennessee. Okay, there's just not a large enough population. And, and people living with close enough proximity to really grow a strong community like that. So how did you and Susan end up here? I had been living here. Oh, okay. And when, we, when I was traveling, we met, and uh, after we married, she moved here. Why were you here? Are you doing music? Uh, no, well, <laughs> yes and no. I, I, was, uh, I, I was in a music management. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So before you were doing Red Road, you were doing – you were a manager? Well, I was a help. We worked. I worked for Glenn Campbell's management yeah. company. So working with Glenn and a, a guy cool named story. Brian White and some other country singers. Oh, Brian White! You know yeah. I know who Brian White is. Nineties yeah. country. Yeah, that's my heart. Him yeah. and Shania, that duo. <laughs> that's I, right. That thing could still make me cry. Oh, it's great. It's so good. And his. Are you friends with his brother, yeah. Daniel? Yeah, me too. Yeah. I love them. Okay, so that's how you ended up here. Do you miss living close to a more Native American community? It's not as challenging for me as it is for my wife because mm-hmm. Susan grew up on a reservation. Okay. And so she was around natives all the time. Yeah. Right. And so when she moved here, it was more of a challenge because she didn't have access to, you know, probably more than anything else is the humor. Really? The native humor, the reservation humor. She didn't have that around here. And, and uh, so, yeah, that Can was. Can you this. explain that to me? Can you explain what the humor is? A lot of time it's self-deprecating. It's it's very random. It's very um, 
regional, uh-huh. right? And so you make a, a, a joke about a particular community or a place, and here nobody didn't have any idea what she's talking about. Yeah. But up there, you're talking like, you know, Moses Lake or Little Chicago, these different little communities around the reservation. And everybody laughs because everybody knows about these. She doesn't have that here. Yeah. So she spent a lot of time on the phone or, or with family back on the reservation up in yeah. Canada. How did y'all find a church community here that felt like home? Well, the first church we went to here had mostly white people in it, mm-hmm. and she didn't feel comfortable there at all. Yeah. Uh, so we searched around and uh, then uh, happened upon a church uh, called Strong Tower Bible Church. Love Strong Tower. And uh, love the diversity there. Mm-hmm. And so we've been there for, well, 17 years, 16 wow. years. And we also go to Church of the City, which is yeah. in Franklin with friends and stuff there. And uh, it's right down the road. So, um, you know, we kind of try and spend time with both church families. Yeah. Strong Tower is right across from uh, Radnor. Yes, so that's right. It. That's my cue. <laughs> that's right. Park in the parking lot. And walk. That's yeah. right. When it's too much, I park in that parking lot. That's really funny. Okay, let's talk a little bit about what's happening today on reservations. Mm-hmm. Everyone listening, my guess is we all have these ideas. Yeah. Gambling. Yeah. Drinking. Yeah. Um, low education. Yeah. Powwows. Those yeah. are things that come to mind, that you yeah. can go to celebrations there. Yeah. And other than that, it is a terrible environment. Yeah. That, That's so, strong, but you Right, know right. I mean. So uh, with the exception of powwows, the, the gambling, the addictions of... Those could also be described with most communities throughout the United States. That. Right? That's exactly right. We just we just get away with hiding it. Right, right. Yeah. And so uh, the gambling is is less of an issue, you know, for multiple reasons. With you know, some of the some of the tribes have casinos. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all do. Some of them that do are not making much money on them because they're not in metropolitan areas. Mm-hmm. Um, the addiction rates are high. The suicide rates are high. Uh, they have their; those are all birthed through the the cause and effect of residential schools. Yes. Oh my gosh, that story that came out a yeah. few months ago of finding all those bodies yeah. at residential yeah. school that were buried children, right? Yeah, that that's right. N- that had just disappeared. Yeah. And uh, we explain what residential schools are. I'm yeah. sorry, I don't totally know. Okay, so back in the seven or late 1800s, they began to the government began to develop school system or schools and and forcing the native children to go to these schools. Were they on the reservation? Somewhere, somewhere okay. far from the reservations. Oh, oh, right, and right? they would live there. So that they, they, they'd okay. and they'd load them up. Uh, and my dad went to a boarding school. My both my parents. Or my, my wife's parents went to boarding schools. Wow. All the relatives up on, you know, out west and up in Canada, they all went to these schools. And there was a, a lot of bad things that happened at these schools with regards to uh, not allowing to speak the language, cutting your hair. Um, they didn't understand the value of our long hair in our culture. Uh, so we might cut our hair for a time of grieving, right, for a year to, to represent to the community that we're in that state mm. of and here they come in and they cut all the kids' hair because they're trying to make us good little dark-skinned white kids, Yes, essentially. The motto of the Carlisle Indian School in, in Pennsylvania was to kill the Indian and save the man, right? Get rid of our culture, all these things that are bad, right, right. and not Christian. Let's get rid of all those things and so that we'll become assimilated, go to these schools, end up moving into the towns, all this kind of stuff. 
very little oversight. Mm -hmm. Most of these were funded by the government, but run by various church denominations. Yeah. Uh, the sexual abuse was was horrendous. Uh, the the diets, what they fed the kids, was terrible. My mother-in-law tells a story when she was a little kid that if they spoke Blackfoot, they spoke the language, they'd be punished. Said there's a little small girl who who had been there for a month, month and a half, something like that. She may have been six or seven years old and would not speak English. Well, she didn't know how to speak English, mm -hmm. right? So they stood up in front of the, all the student body in the cafeteria, pulled her, held her tongue out, took a sewing needle, pierced <gasps> her tongue with a sewing needle, oh. and said, this is what happens if you speak your language anymore. Oh, my God. Right? So this kind of stuff took place. And uh, oh uh, all in the name of Christianity. Right. Right, and so you got these kids that are growing up in these schools being sexually abused and physically abused. Then they and this was not. I mean, it happened hundreds of years ago, but this is also thirty years ago. Yeah, this they these started in uh. the mid to late eighteen hundreds, and I think the last school closed in nineteen ninety six. Oh my gosh, when right. I was in high school. Yeah, yeah, and so so wow. these kids grow up in this in this institution. Uh, and then, then go back. And then they go back, and they end up when they leave, they go back into the communities. They get married, have children, their children go through it. So you got this cycle. And what we know about sexual predators today is that so many of them were abused as children, mm -hmm. right? And then, so now you've got these, go back in history, you've got these kids going through these residential schools being sexually abused and physically abused. And they leave and they have children. And that you got this whole system going on for 100 and really 120 years. Yeah. So when we look, we realize that on the reservations today, probably at least eight out of ten people have been sexually abused. Eight out of ten. I'd say at least. Wow. Yeah, at some point oh in their life. Gosh. When you hear those, and now, well, now it makes sense because you yes. understand the what happened to these boarding schools. Yes, the generational. Yeah. Oh. And when these kids would leave the schools, or someone would run away, or they'd be disciplined and they'd whatever and and, and die. Well, they're just burying them. And so that which we heard about a few months back up in Kamloops, Canada, just the the tip of the iceberg for the for what's out there. Because when these kids, you're talking late eighteen hundreds, nineteen hundreds, all the way up to reason, when these kids would leave, they just disappear, the schools would call the the or send letters to the family saying, Hey, your child ran away. Well, no, the child didn't run away. The child died somehow, and you buried them to hide the what happened. It was revealed at uh, these boarding schools up in Canada. It was throughout the United States also. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and I know many stories like that. Yeah, because I wonder if when we heard the stories, me and a lot of my non-Native friends thought, what? Oh, my gracious. And our yeah. Native friends said, y'all don't even know this started. Yeah. yeah. You don't even know. Wow. You know, and even like oh, with I'm the sorry. murdered missing indigenous women. <gasps> I read that on the redroad.org yeah. website yeah. that y'all's nonprofit about how many women are missing yeah. that that yeah. no one knows. Yeah, and I I don't I, I don't mean to, to to make light of any other missing person. Certainly. You know, but what we've seen in recent months where yes. you know, a, 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 somebody turns up missing and and for whatever reason certain and this happens all, I mean, lots of people turn up missing, right? Some cases get national spotlight where most do not. But to our Native women, this has been happening for a long time, and they just don't even take the time to investigate. Yeah. So tell me, 
what the Red Road does on reservations. I mean, when people go read redroad.org, which I hope everyone does today, I mean, y'all list 15 things that you do. I mean, y'all are just touching every area. It's amazing. Well, so, yeah, the website is theredroad.org, and and, uh, the bottom line, what we try and do is bring hope to people. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, the greatest hope is in the person of Jesus. Yeah. But that we don't lead with that, mm-hmm. right? We go in and we walk with people through their addictions, through their suicides, through their abuse, whatever's going on in their lives, right? We walk with people and help connect people on reservations having these issues with other resources, uh, hopefully locally, to the so that so if there's a suicide at two in the morning. Susan and I cannot be there, you know, sure. 1,500 miles away. Right. But we know somebody who can. Mm-hmm. And so we connect people and help provide resources for these. Sometimes it's um, uh, it's counseling, right? Susan does a lot of that. Um, as she shares her story and, and, and the, her journey in life, and she uh, it really resonates with other Native women especially. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so we spend a lot of time doing that. But then we also, it's uh, providing firewood for elders or propane to heat a home through the winter, those kinds of things as mm-hmm. well. How did you start that? How did you go from managing Glenn Campbell, being on his management well, team and being on Brian White's management team to where so much of your ministry and so much of what you're doing is helping across the country and into Canada? Well, I, f- for me, I... I just began to see some of the statistics and talking about, you know, uh, uh, alcoholism might be four or five times the national average. Sexual abuse rate is this. Suicide is seven times the national average. We, we're hearing all these suicide. things, That's right? That's unbelievable. Yeah. So you're, you're hearing all of these things. But then when I found out only between three and five percent of our tribal people profess to know Jesus, mm. I thought I'd ask God one time. I said, God. Is there anything I can do about that? Mm. I don't know what it would be. And uh, uh, through uh, uh, some really neat just things, God opened up the door for me to to leave the company I was working with and and begin to pursue that. But I had no idea what it looked like because I didn't yeah. grow up on a reservation, right? right. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go and and show me God if, and. You know, if I'm going to the wrong place, let me run out of gas before I get there because I don't want to, you know. Right. Um, Man, that's a good prayer for all of us. If I'm going the wrong place, let yeah. me run out of gas before I get there. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, – and, and God just opened the door and started connecting me with people and opportunities. And what I found was that more important than anything I could go in and preach or, or teach on was just being present mm. and just trying to learn and not going in with answers. How big is our Native American population in the U.S. and Canada? Do we know? Yeah, I think right now, as far as those that are um, within the 573 federally recognized tribes, I think 573 we're, tribes. Okay. I think I think we're at about three million, three and a half million oh, right okay. now. You're doing an incredible job of me just like spit firing questions that we didn't go over. Thank well, you. <laughs> but the interesting th- the thing about that is that there, there are more Latinos in Los Angeles than there are natives throughout the United States. Wow. Right? Although I, I will say this with regards to indigenous or um, 
Latinos or people in Mexico, Central America, South America. So there's this line drawn in the sand that said, this is the United States, this is Mexico. Mm -hmm. Had that line been drawn 500 miles further south, all these people we call Mexicans would be Native Americans because they're tribal people. Most of them are not from Spain, although they speak Spanish, right? right? They're not from Spain. They're tribal people. They just happen to be in a land that was... You know, ruled by Spain, I guess. Right. right. Yeah. They. They. Is there a lot of similarities between the people of Mexico and the tribes yeah. that were in Texas? I guess. Yeah, that's right. Why my brain has never thought about that before, Charles? I can't. I'm embarrassed to tell you. I've never one time thought about that's one people group separated by a river. Yeah. Really. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to tell you about one of our incredible partners, Rothy's. What better way to welcome the fall season than with new shoes? From their best-selling round and pointed toe flats to sneakers made for any adventure and loafers made for moments when comfort is a must, Rothy's has everything you need to start fall off on the right foot. You get it? Foot. I had to, you guys. I had to. Nothing says fall like soft, plush merino wool. And for the third year in a row, Rothy's is launching an exclusive autumn collection featuring washable merino wool styles. They're incredibly comfortable, cozy, and just like all your other favorite Rothy styles, they're 100% machine washable. And if you're headed out for a fall break trip or a weekend getaway, their spacious washable bags are perfect for effortlessly carrying all your essentials. I get compliments every time I wear my Rothy's, which makes me want to wear them even more often. I love that they're made from recycled plastic water bottles. You know how much I love that. And I want to talk to whoever thought that up and tell them, well done. There's good news for our friends who are dudes as well. Rothy's shoes aren't just for women anymore. That's right. Rothy's now sells men's sneakers and men's driving loafers. We got to get Craig, our prince around here at the office. We got to get him some driving loafers. The men's line features the same level of craftsmanship as Rothy's women's line, and they're durable, washable, and better for the planet. Plus, they are rigorously tested for a perfect fit, wash after wash. In fact, Forbes calls Rothy's men's shoes a travel must-have. Okay. But who better to tell you about how comfortable Rothy's are than the real customers? Lisa L. says, these shoes are like a walking on clouds. And Julie A. says, there's no break-in period, no blisters, just pure comfort. No wonder Rothy's best-selling shoe, The Point in Black, has over 5,000 near-perfect reviews, y'all. To help you welcome in the fall season in style, Rothy's is doing something special. That's right. They gave us the chance to share this super rare opportunity with our friends for a limited time. So right now you can get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash sounds fun. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash sounds fun. So head to rothys.com slash sounds fun to find your new favorites today. And now back to finish our conversation with Charles. Tell me what you know, because you live so much, thankfully, in our white American world mm-hmm. so that you are really a bridge for us, which I'm incredibly grateful for. What's different about the faith of white Americans and the faith of Native Americans? And what's similar? White Americans are very limited as to that they keep God in a box. Hmm. And to Native people don't. He lives yeah. outside of that box. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that's really true. When we think of all the nations that are represented in the U.S., right? Like our black friends, our Latino friends, our Asian friends that are all— When you see other people groups struggling, 
What does that say to you? What do, What is your experience when you see the racial injustice that happened around COVID and our Chinese friends or the upheaval, particularly around some of the murders last summer of our Black friends? Like, what's your experience of that versus my experience of that? I try not to be too jaded. Mm-hmm. But say say with uh, the rogue cops that we're doing to our native people, we've been enduring that for years. One of the joking things he he got he got arrested for a DWI driving while Indian, right? Oh wow! <laughs> you get pulled over, right? Wow! Those things happen. Yeah. And uh, and while I'm extremely disappointed any time it happens, it makes me sad, really, really sad to see anybody treated, mistreated. But to our Native people, we've been enduring this kind of stuff for so long. Mm-hmm. Best I can do is, is is talk with some of my, f- my friends and say, man, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't have any answers for you on that, yeah. but yeah. but that's that's how it is. It, it's how it has been. It's the being with, right? Yeah. I mean, that sounds like such a gift that you offer is the withness. Yeah. That is that is Christ. Christ is with us. Yeah. And so you're offering that. Will you talk about, like, one of the reasons I wanted you to be on here is I wanted to introduce you to our friends, but I also want to introduce them to the Red Road. Mm. Will you talk about when we partner with the Red Road, like, I'm going to make a donation today. I hope a lot of our friends mm. do. What is that going toward? How, how are we helping our Native friends by yeah. donating to the Red Road? Uh, helping with some of the stuff, again, as simple as, as firewood, Mm-hmm. Or propane in these in, in reservations, South Dakota, Montana. Others are resources to for women to uh, to get help. Yeah, especially women. We walk with men too, but um, because Susan, it resonates so well with the women. Yeah, and she's the president right now. Right, right. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. she and, and that's. I mean, she breathes life into it. Yeah, and uh, to help her connect with women and walk with women who have been and continue to be sexually abused and raped and all of these things and just and, and to help take care of some of these these people or find resources for them to help get counseling, yeah. uh, clothing, funerals. Yeah. You know, we sadly, we end up helping with more funerals than I even want to think about. But God has given us an opportunity to be there for people in those settings. And so for that, I'm thankful um, it's not easy, but I'm thankful for that opportunity. How many different reservations do y'all get to do work on? The bulk of our work is on about seven different reservations. Yeah. And we help on some others as far as some resources here and there. But as far as our actual physical presence is only about seven. We've tried to replicate what we do with other people and show people what we're doing. Because mm-hmm. truth is, at the end of the day, we don't care if if anybody recognizes that the Red Road is being a part of this or not. That That's irrelevant. What is relevant is the work that's being done Mm -hmm. in the name of Jesus, not in the name of the Red Road. Yeah. Will you explain what the Red Road is? I loved reading about that, about why y'all named it that. Yeah. So the Red Road is a term that Native people all recognize, which means to to live a traditional or healthy red man's lifestyle, Mm. which is an addiction-free life where you respect yourself, respect others, you respect all of creation, but you worship the Creator. Mm -hmm. That's what Native people will 
uh, throughout the U.S. and Canada was they'll if you say I'm on the red road, they know that you're living a healthy lifestyle. Oh wow! Okay, right, a traditional healthy lifestyle. But to us, because we follow the teachings of Jesus, mm-hmm. the red road also represents that bloodstained road that led Jesus to the cross. Yeah, that fits in that same category to me of. Y'all having stories of the rocks reminding of the boat, Mm. of going like, oh, Jesus always knew that our Native American friends would connect with the idea of a red road. And so that became a language for y'all that says two very important things. Mm. Today, particularly on Indigenous Peoples Day, but I hope this will be true for a lot of days, our friends listening, when they think of you, when they think of Susan, when they think of the red road, how can we pray for y'all? Pray for uh, more opportunities to walk with more people. Mm. You know, I figured if if God can do more with one-tenth of our income than we can do with nine-tenths of it, right. maybe he can do the same with our time mm-hmm. and with our efforts in, the, in, our, in our attempt to reach out to Native communities that we only have this much time, but pray that God would multiply our efforts to make it this much, right? And then just for the endurance, um, uh, as you walk with so many people and it gets so emotional to be able to uh, be in a healthy place to be able to help people. Yeah. I would imagine that a lot of our friends who are in helping jobs, like nurses or counselors or teachers, often say, feel that of like, how does this new group of kids have the same problems? Or how is this happening again? How are we seeing these things in the hospital again? And and it, there is a special call to endurance for people who yeah. help. Yeah. Amen to that. That is, that's incredible. I'm thinking as we're talking, if, if residential schools only closed in 1996, that means what's happening now on the reservations education-wise is only 30 years old, 20 years old. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there were uh, school systems in place mm-hmm. uh, in the early, ni- or in the 1900s started putting in tribally run schools and uh, and changing that some, mm-hmm. but when you look at the the base of it all, uh, with the the residential schools and the, it's like buttoning up your shirt, right? Mm-hmm. When you get off on the first button They're and you keep going, and ne- it really doesn't line up after that, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's what happened with the residential schools early on, is our native people had our, our culture was forcibly taken from us. Mm-hmm. And so then the rest of the time we're trying to make this fit when in a, in a, I don't, I don't, I keep saying white, but uh, a Euro American system yeah. when that's not how for thousands of years we learned and taught. And, and so trying to get back on track yeah. within our native communities with limited resources to do so is a challenge. Yeah. That, so that's my next question is when we're praying for, the children of mm. Native American reservations and Native American tribes, and we're praying for the women and the men. Yeah. What What are y'all praying for our Native American friends that we can partner with you in? For a return to traditional values mm-hmm. and for people to grasp culture. Okay. Our experience has been that uh, we could preach Jesus from the pulpit all day long, but so long as we're doing it from a Euro-American perspective, it's not being received. Mm-hmm. When we talk about going back into sweat lodges, we talk about uh, participating in tribal ceremonies, uh, that resonates with people. And then when we do that, uh, we're seeing lives changed. Yeah, And that accompanied with 
living a life, like uh, we don't even say we're Christians, right? Mm-hmm. And said, so, what do you believe? He said, we follow the teachings of Jesus. Mm. Well, what does that mean? Well, if somebody was hungry, Jesus fed them. If they were sick, he'd try and help them get healthy again. Yeah. You know, you kind of walk through all these attributes of Jesus and the things he did, and Native people say, hey, I can get behind this Jesus guy. Right. That Christianity thing I don't want any part of, but I can do that. Yeah. Right. I get behind that. I bet a lot of our friends feel that. Yeah. <laughs> Not real interested in the Christianity label, but I love the teachings of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I've enjoyed on Instagram and on TikTok, there seems to be this resurgence of the generation behind me, the 20s, braiding their hair again yeah. and talking about how how every time they braid their, their hair, they're praying. Yeah. I mean, they're, it, it's part of. And so there does seem to be this reemergence mm-hmm. of the culture publicly. And so listening to you talk about it, it makes me go, okay, every time I see that, I want to pray that they also return to the Creator. Yeah. And, and, and meet Jesus in that yeah. somehow. For sure. What did we not say that we need to say? Anything we left out? Oh, gosh. <laughs> You've got to come back sometime. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, it's about education. Mm-hmm. We've got to educate people. We've got to walk people through that. Yeah. And the, the hard part is is not to be offended when somebody innocently says something that's inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, You've been very kind to me about that. Thank you. <laughs> You've been very good, but I, I just I want I want people to continue to work on being open to being educated, being open to being wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have I heard people say, "Well, I know so and so, and he's Indian, and and using the word Indian is not offensive to him, right?" Or I've got a friend who you know the yeah. proverbial I've got a I've got an Indian friend, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are so afraid to feel like they're losing something. If we change this school mascot, I'm losing I'm 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 losing something, right? No, you're really not. You're really not. Just just be open to the possibility that you may be wrong in how you've done things in the past. And and that's for me too, right? That's for us. Yeah. All of us. We've got to be open to that. And uh and just be willing to learn. A thing I'd love for us to consider if you'd be willing is give our friends listening a chance to submit some questions. Yeah. And we can come back and do this again, or for we can sure. hop on YouTube or something and and keep educating people. Are there other resources we should, is there a book we should read? Is it besides yours that's out of print? Come yeah. on. I'm going to really push you about getting that back in print. <laughs> um, th- there are some good resources, uh, some movies that were done. If you want to learn about the residential schools. Yeah. I do. Uh, there's one that's done in 2012 called We Were Children. Okay. It's really hard to watch. Okay. But it's a, like a documentary-style movie. Netflix or somewhere? Um, I, maybe. Okay. We were we, children. We'll look it up. We'll but another it. one is called The Education of Little Tree, and that was a Hollywood-done one. And oh, okay. The Education of Little Tree is good, and it kind of touches on the boarding school thing, but uh, it's more family-friendly watching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there, are some, there are some good books out there. Richard Twist, a friend of ours who who passed away years a few years back, a number of years back, had a book called One Church, Many Tribes. Okay. It's a, another great resource to, to kind of in, let people walk into the whole Native American Christianity um, kind of circle and, and yeah. kind of understand some of the differences there. Yeah. Have you seen – there's a new Native – American Bible, right? Have yeah, you seen this? Yeah. Have you read it yet or looked at it? Uh, no, I, I say that. I looked. Terry, who, uh, Wildman, who, who uh, organized that, 
uh, been known him for a long time. He used to do work on the Hopi Reservation, he mm-hmm. and his wife Darlene, and sweet people. I I, I saw some er, the early translations of it, uh-huh. and I think it's going to be great. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's in the vernacular that uh, hopefully Native people will resonate with a little more. Yeah. So I want to get it because I want to have that point of view. Yeah, I just would love to read it from that point of view. Thank you so much for doing this yeah. today. What a gift! I I can't tell you how much I appreciate you making time and teaching us what we don't know. Thank you. It's very generous of you. You, you are um, incredibly generous, and, and I hope we are that in turn to the oh, Red Road. Thank you so much. So um, the last question we always ask, it's a real left turn for you, Charles. Get ready. Because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what y'all do for fun. What sounds fun to you? What I love is make seeing people be happy. Yeah. Whatever that is. Yeah. You know, watching my son, my youngest son, play hockey. He loves hockey. it. Hockey. Watch my uh, young my daughter. I've got my youngest daughter who's who's twelve, I think now. Uh, plays soccer. Yeah. And to see her out there running and kicking, that sounds like fun to me. Yeah. Being being with family, being with Susan, doing stuff. That's what sounds like fun. Yeah. Do y'all go every summer out west? Every summer. Okay. And just go hop around from reservation to reservation. Or you yeah. Go to Susan's. Uh, well, we we have a. I mean, it's all planned out where we're going. But yeah, yeah. we go to South Dakota, Montana, Idaho, yeah. uh, Arizona, New Mexico, up into Canada. We hit different reservations every summer. Any of our other friends like me who want to go see and be a part of, not be, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to dance or anything, but I want to be an active <laughs> part of a powwow where I'm there. Yeah. How do we find those? Uh, well, you actually go to powwows.com and they have, oh, they have a lot of them listed throughout the U.S. Yeah. and Canada. Okay. Uh but regionally, there's uh, throughout the United States, there in Canada, there there are powwows throughout. And our native friends are fine with us coming. Absolutely. Okay. The the stuff that's private that we're not welcome to isn't on powwows.com. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Powwows. <laughs> powwows are very social, very celebratory type yeah. thing, and uh, we really like it when you bring money and you spend it there. <laughs> Right. Done, done. <laughs> Don't you worry. Me and my pals, we will load up no, and but come. You can get some great uh, uh, food, uh, native yeah, foods and stuff yeah. like that. And get some cool crafts and, and just be around. And, and for the most part, they're all okay with taking pictures, wearing their dance outfits and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. come on out. It's a great time. Oh, you guys, don't you love him? I mean, okay, so for starters, be sure to check out theredroad.org. Remember, the best thing we can do today to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day is to give a little bit to theredroad.org and help them continue with the work they're doing. I'm making a donation today. I hope you'll join me. And any questions you have for Charles and Susan, you can put those in the link in the show notes. Make sure you're following Charles. Tell him thanks for being on the show Make sure you're following The Red Road on Instagram. And as well, don't forget, any questions you have, drop them in here, and we will have them back in a couple of weeks to keep having this conversation that was just so interesting. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I will do the same. And today, I'm about to Google when that powwow is in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, so that I do not miss it. That sounds fun to me. Y'all have a great couple of days. And we'll see you back here on Wednesday with the wonderful Sheila Walsh. See you guys then. Yeah, yeah.